Welcome to podcast 32 from Football Anya, your home of Dutch football. I'm Michael Statham and this week I'm with James Rowe to talk about several topics, including the Dutch national team's latest friendly draws with Slovakia and Italy, transfer news surrounding Dutch players and clubs, and we answer your questions sent in via Twitter. We're available on YouTube, SoundCloud and iTunes. Make sure to give us a like and subscribe wherever you're listening to show us your support for this season. You know, this is our last podcast for season before we return for another exciting season as a website where we hope to continue and improve how we keep you up to date with on, on everything Dutch football, including qualification for Euro 2020, Eredivisie news and exclusive interviews with footballers all at your fingertips. James, uh, how are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Yeah, all fine, all fine. Um, we're looking forward to the World Cup and um, there's there's going to be a bit of disappointment as well for us guys who are Dutch football fans having to miss out um, on the Netherlands not being there. Uh, but I just thought we'd start off with one of our Twitter questions actually um, and it's from Frank and he says, how should I feel about the World Cup? My advice to Frank is to sit back and enjoy it. Uh, yes, it is a shame that the Netherlands are not there, but I think it will be a World Cup full of surprises. I think um, I think having uh, partaking in other podcasts and, and being a football fan and, and getting excited about it, I cannot believe for the life of me how everybody thinks that one plus one is two and nothing changes. These are four-year cycles where uh, countries get stronger, new players emerge, and uh, I think we're going to see many people uh, eating a lot of humble pie this summer in Russia. Yeah, no, let's just enjoy it. I think that there's going to be plenty to enjoy. Um, I just wondered uh, who, your, who you think the winner will be of this World Cup, James, before we get on to more Dutch football matters. Um, I mean, myself, I'm going to go for Belgium. I think that they've got an awesome squad. Um, perhaps there's a little bit of unsettlement in the, in the camp. There's a bit of uncertainty with the manager situation, but they've got some world-class players and I think the way they play allows them to score lots and lots of goals with the likes of Hazard, Lukaku, but at the same time they've got a very slight defence, they've been keeping loads of clean sheets recently and you know it's about time their goal generation of players goes on to lift some sort of tournament to get particularly far. They only got to the quarterfinals of um, the Euros and lost out to Wales and I just think now is their turn to re-step up. Let's see if they can do it. Who do you think is going to win it James? Yeah, I think it's a very interesting uh, take that you said there, uh, Belgium. I would have um, I would have question marks about Roberto Martinez. Um, I don't know if he's got enough now to get them to guide them all the way, but they have very very good players. My prediction to win it is Brazil. I think everything is is set up for Brazil this time. I think in Chichi they have a tremendous manager who's won with Corinthians in Sao Paulo. Um, he completely turned them around in a qualifying campaign after after a bad start under Dunga. And there's so much togetherness in that squad now where everybody wants to fight for one another. There's joy at playing for the Brazilian uh, national team. I think far too many people are putting too much on the uh, the 7-1 defeat to Germany. I think uh, Chichi started from a blank canvas. And I think that blank for canvas is going to lead to a sixth world title for Brazil on the 15th of July. Yeah, it's made a great difference in that those two years since the 7-1. Um, yeah, I know Brazil's a good shout as well. It's probably the smart money, even though it would be the short odds for the tournament. Uh, another focus for the World Cup for us, especially for football and you as well, is the sheer amount of Eredivisie players it will still get to see at the World Cup. 
Um, James, who who do you think is going to be the most exciting uh, Eredivisie player to look out for? I think the whole world is going to find out who Hakim Ziyech is. I think he's had a tremendous season with Ajax. He's done really, really well. He's been the best player far and away here in the Netherlands. And I think Morocco are criminally underrated in this in this World Cup. I think I've I've had one podcast on the Totally Football Show where people were admitting that they can go through, and by the rest they appear to be completely written off. They didn't concede a single goal in qualifying. Um, there's so much togetherness in that squad, and I think I think that's really um, made me sit up and take notice. If you look at their squad, they haven't just got players playing all over Europe. They've got players that the manager Hervé Renard has selected from the Moroccan league. Now he hasn't done that as a joke. He's done it because the players he's picked, are the players he feels are right, and the players he's going to call upon. And I think that Morocco are going to finish second in the group behind Portugal and that Spain will be heading home early. Yeah, I actually think that um, Morocco will get through as well in their group. Uh, along with Spain, I think it with Portugal that might not uh, head through. Uh, but Morocco have this good smattering of uh, Dutch players and players that have come through Dutch academies and gone on to make their careers throughout Europe. Um, yeah, there's players such as um, Hakim Ziyech, from Ajax, um, Kalim Eda Almadi from Feyenoord, um, as well as Amrabat as well from Feyenoord. Uh, so there's plenty of players that you can look out for and say, ah, yes, you know, I know, I know him who plays for Feyenoord, and it'll be nice to see him actually at the tournament with, with those players. Uh, but they're not the only ones as well. We've got uh, Herving Lozano, the PSV winger. I'm sure he's going to make a great impact for Mexico. He's one of their key players. Um, and also, I think it'd be nice to see some, some of the old Eredivisie players, Christian Eriksen at Denmark as well. He'll be another one we can look out for. Yeah, Lozano is, um, is making a big name. and But I actually think that Mexico won't get through the group. Um, I think that it will be Sweden that goes behind uh, Germany and, um, and qualifies in second. But uh, there's no doubt in the impact that Lozano has had uh, in, the, in his first season here in the Netherlands. Great. Well, let's let's move on to the Netherlands now. So, of course, I'm not going to be at the World Cup for obvious reasons. But we can start to see some of the improvements that Ronald Koeman's put in place. Um, the selections he's made with the squads, the tactics he's putting in. Um, what were some of the standout things that you noticed from the draws with Slovakia and Italy friendlies? Um, the standout things for me, one of them was Quincy Plomez. Because I think he's really underrated. And I think if he's used properly, I, I think we'll see uh, we'll see him improve even more even more in the future. The same with uh, the confidence coming back with Memphis Depay. I think uh, Stefan de Frey being uh, being fit and um, and playing in uh, in the defence. And I must commend Nathan Acker as, as well because it was a great header for the equaliser against Italy. I thought he took it. I thought he took it really well and. Uh, great movement and um, as Koeman said himself you know it's uh, they've played uh, three away games in four and they haven't lost any of them and um, he's trying to build a base now it's still going to take an awful long time I mean I've I've, I've spoken to some people that one of my uh, one of my colleagues the other day said to me oh I begin to doubt if he's the right man for the job but you you can't say that after four four matches because you've got to remember this is this is He's taken over such a such a it was in such a disarray. It takes time to uh, to put things right, and it, it's still going to take a long time. And and this building job won't won't finish until um until we hopefully look ahead to Euro twenty twenty. Yeah, 
But I can't believe that there's already some skeptics um, for Kuman because I think he's done terrifically well to really turn around just the mentality of the squad, um, not just what we see on the pitch. Uh, now, when I was watching the game against Slovakia, I did have worries about the 5-3-2 not working. Um, it was a draw in the end for the Dutch. First half was okay. But second half was when it really kicked in uh, with the way how they really wanted to play. And I think that the passing and the interplay that we see in midfield and on the, on the wings is excellent. And um, we are making chances out of it as well. I think the lack of a true striker isn't evident and that they ca they still have the right players in the penalty area to take chances. Uh, Memphis Depay, along with whether it be Ryan Barbel, Quincy Plumes, um, is positive and actually it does work. Um, now, some of the other things I noticed yeah. were that uh, I thought that, that the five against the back, it wasn't needed against Slovakia. And even though it held the shape pretty well, why not have um, Daly Blint, who was frankly awful at centre-back, playing defensive midfield, who can drop back into a back five if it's needed, um, if it's part of a more defensive structure? Because he there, there was always a spare centre-back um, against Slovakia that just wasn't needed. There was always someone in the box who was just marking space and not doing nothing in particular. But that's just my opinion. What do you think? No, I, I thought, I, I, when I say about the scepticism, it's not for me. I mean, I don't believe that this job will be finished until Euro 2020. Um, but it's just a couple of people I've spoken to that, that were expecting perhaps more victories. And, um, you know, you, but people have to remember what's gone on before. And uh, the fact that Blind took over uh, from, from, from Hidink and, and, and they gave him so much time... Um, you know the the decisions that were made all had knock-on effects, like a, like dominoes really, and it it was it was going awry where nobody wanted to take responsibility and and and, and have some resolve at board level, and they all wanted to make sure their own position was not in any danger, and they needed to be seen to be doing something. It, it's it's meant that, that, that this has become a, a quite a quite a difficult situation that Kuman found himself in, but it's. He, he will be given the time, but people have to remember uh, this is a, a big task that will only culminate when um, when hopefully the Netherlands will par will partake in Euro 2020. Okay, uh, well, we've got some questions to do with uh, the, the Dutch national team and how they performed in those two friendlies. I'm looking forward. Um, Abdul, as usual, has given his excellent contribution to the course and he sent in quite a few questions. So I'll, I'll reel them off within our conversation now, James. The first one is, um, why did we look so fragile in the first half of both of the matches against Slovakia and Italy? And I think particularly he may mean the Italy match because the, uh, the Dutch were heavily overrun in that first half and were lucky to be a goal down. What did you think? Why, why was that? Um, I, think that it, I think I agree with what Koeman said in, in the uh, post-match interview that you mustn't forget that uh, the players have come off long, hard seasons. The serve the Italians, though. Yes, I know, I know, but it's also the fact that um, you know they're they're having to digest what Kuman is trying to ask them to do, and um, in the case of um, Matthijs de Ligt as well, you know he's he's mentioned about the uh, the training methods and 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 how Kuman is going about his business and how that being refreshing. But I think um, I think as well, you know, it's the it's the end of a hard se it's the end of a hard season. It's 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 two international games that maybe 
players are maybe thinking about their holidays or, or thinking about uh, you know what, what they're going to do after that I think the timing of the um of the friendlies were was telling and um yeah I, I think um I think it was just uh, the end of a long difficult season and and wanting to uh to uh to look ahead and 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 recuperate and um and see uh and see what will happen after the summer really okay um fair comment uh now how about memphis to pie he's played both the friendlies uh he scored the one goal and abdul thinks he didn't really impress him very much and i when you look on social media there was certainly differing opinions of how they thought memphis to pie played in the two matches but what was your take well, I, I think you've you've seen at you've seen at club level what confidence can do because his confidence was rocked when he was at Manchester United, and he's slowly building that up uh, in um, in Lyon, and he he does have a part he does have a part to play in an international setup, and I don't think personally that he he's done to, he done too bad. You know, he's a, he's an important player for the future. He, he can offer. He can offer. He can definitely offer something. He's a, he's a, he's a proven international. But I think he's very much a confidence player. When his confidence is up, it's really up. And when his confidence wavers, as in when he was at Manchester United, for example, it can take time to pick up. But I, uh, I don't think he did too bad over the over the over the friendlies. And um, you know, it's uh, hopefully he'll be fresh for next season as well. And uh, his confidence will continue to grow at Lyon. Yeah. Agree, um, but I actually think he was one of the standout players in the two matches. I don't see how he played badly at all in over the matches. He was a constant threat. He caused a lot of danger for the teams he played against, um, and that is what the Dutch need. That's what we're looking for, because since we've been missing the likes of Iron Robben and Wesley Schneider, um, this is the kind of player we need to take us forward and really cause that threat to the opposition, um, whether that's in terms of build-up, but also in terms of the box. It's just that uh, versatile player in terms of how, how he attacks um, and this leads on nice to the next question what players should be dropped from the squad uh, Memphis definitely isn't one of them by the way uh, but I think a good one we could start with is Rud Vorma what did you take um, what did you make of his performances well I don't think I didn't think it was too bad to be honest I think uh, I think his call up is, is long overdue and you've got to remember as well that um, this is a player that is player of the year in Belgium when he was playing at uh, Arsed, uh, was 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 a threat and has definitely has something in his locker. I think it's quite it's quite normal that a player who's been overlooked for such a long time is not going to come in and, and 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 pull up at any trees. But I thought it was um, I thought it was um, I thought it was quite quite decent of him really to be honest. And he hasn't done his select selection choices too harm in, too much harm in the future. I think uh, I think we'll see him in future squads as well. Is there anyone that you think definitely needs to be dropped? Um, well, to be honest, I'm not entirely sure. I think I'm willing. I'm willing to trust uh, Kuman in his um, in his uh, in his judgment. I'm I'm not too sure about uh, Daily Blind going forward. Um, I am um, I am highly confident in Quincy Promes. Um, I'm highly confident in 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 Depay and in Defray. And I think what he's got to do now is I think he's got to find a spine. And I, I think a spine of, for example, um, just to give an example, Sillerson, De Frey, Van Alden, and maybe Promes. I think that's that's something you could look uh, you could look at going forward for the for the international games in the autumn. Yeah, agrees. The spine is certainly something that needs to be added. Um, 
And I, I don't think there was anyone that immediately needs to be away from the squad. Although there were some players that had some um, below-par performances, such as Hans Harterbaugh against Italy, substituted at half-time. But then, you know, if you look at his performances back in March, he was a great player and one of the standouts, actually, at right wing-back. Yeah, he was uh, one of many that actually did impress early in the season when maybe it was the best time to judge players as opposed to now these meaningless friendlies in preparation for a World Cup that the Dutch won't be at. Um, so let's just see what happens in terms of the autumn, I guess. And do, do you think that the squad we've got right now is enough to beat a Germany or France that we're going to be playing in the Nations League next season? Um, and I think they're going to have to take uh, full advantage of home advantage because they're, if they're going to uh, get any joy against those two, two nations, they're going to have to win the home games. And uh, I, don't think it, I don't think it's impossible... But they're going to have to be rugged. They're going to have to be really stern. They might have to be defensive in some cases. And particularly for the matches um, at home in Amsterdam against Germany in October when those home games start and France in November. If the um, home crowd are not really susceptible to a defensive style of play, I, I hope they don't moan and groan because a 5-3-2, even at home, you they could... They could they 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 could beat a Germany at home. It's not completely impossible, but they they must make sure that the spine is in order, because I I was at the um the home matches. Okay, they was uh, friendlies, but uh, I've been at their home games against France where they lost three two, and against um, Italy where they lost two one, and and they couldn't really put up a fight against particularly France when Griezmann ran riot. Um, so they're going to have to 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 judge their attitude properly in terms of the way they play. And even if they go defensive, I, I wouldn't say that's a bad thing. I think if they're going to get joy from particularly the home games against France and Germany, they may have to go 5-3-2. But if that means they come away with a 2-1 win or a 1-0 win, then then who knows? That, that, could be, uh, that could be signs of progress. Yeah, home advantage will be key. Uh, the home, the away matches though, I think it shows the difference in quality now between the Netherlands and the top of the standard that we see in world football on continental level, uh, international level. The the fact that they lost four 0 to France in qualifying shows the difference there, that they couldn't defend basically, that they couldn't play against one of these bigger teams to get a result. Um, so let's see how they get on. Uh, but yeah, home advantage will be key. And they do need to be rugged. They do need to play to their strengths. That their strengths now are in defending. Their back five is looks very strong. It could work against uh, one of the bigger teams for sure. Moving on from the Dutch national team, we've got plenty of transfer news coming in for Dutch clubs in the last couple of weeks, uh, particularly surrounding Ajax. As usual, they're having an absolute hectic time with their star players. Now we should start with some of the Twitter questions in this area and I think we'll look first of all at the transfer involving Justin Clavert. He's heavily rumoured to be departing for Italian side Roma this summer. Um, we, I mean James and I, I can speak for James here uh, and for Michael was unfortunate on this podcast today that Clavert must stay at Ajax for his future, purely for his future and even though it seems like a nice transfer it is coming too early for him but in terms of the actual transfer now um, We've got Gareth here asking, we've seen the rumoured thief Clavert to Roma being around 20 million euros. 
This seems very low for one of the best youngsters in Europe. Why are Ajax asking for so little? Um, I think there's, um, I think there's uh, behind the scenes, there's a little bit of um, uh, disagreement as, as to prices in terms of, of getting as much money as they can. We have often placated and stated that he would, um, that he should stay another season at the very least. Whether he's going to stay uh, in the starting lineup at Roma is is for a debate. But um, he um, the last uh, translation I did of uh, when he went on the tour of South America with the under twenty ones when they uh, uh, when they um, drew with uh, Paraguay he gave an interview afterwards saying that he's just looking forward to his holiday and that he doesn't know what's going to happen. Um, I saw I saw uh, an article come by from Mike that uh, Clive, his father Patrick, has stated that he wants him to remain at Ajax, and I think it's important for him to listen to the to, to the people around him because it would be such a shame for someone like him to um, to, to to sit on a bench and not play, and 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 also if you if you look lower down Atalanta, Atalanta played Martin Delone and Hans Harderbor on a regular basis. And Lazio did the same with Stefan de Frey. But none of those teams have had Champions League commitments. None of those teams had the aspirations of, uh, of, of making their mark um, at, at the cost, uh, uh, making their mark come what may in terms of um, uh, maybe having a bit of, um, not a rushed perspective, but wanting to do things very, very quickly. And I wonder with Roma, if they would have the same patience that uh, the Atalanta and Lazio showed with uh, De Frey and Hartebord and Delone. I'm not so sure that Aroma would have the same with uh, with Clivert. I'm not so sure that he'd play as much on a regular basis. And I'm not sure that the club would have as much patience to see him uh, play to the best of their ability to keep him long term. I think uh, an example of a player that maybe made the wrong move last summer was uh, Congolo, who moved to Monaco for good money. Um, and now he's at Huddersfield permanently, which is a good move for him. And he's he was right to leave Feyenoord at the time he did. He was at the age of 23 by the time he moved on. But now that it's good that he's at a club that more matches his level, such as Huddersfield. And I think Calvert's going to be starved for his depth at Roma. But we'll see what happens. I think with the Congolo one, you've made a very good point. But um, I think there's part of him that would have wanted to succeed at Monaco. Because with no disrespect to Huddersfield Town, they, 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 it was a tremendous um, feat for them to stay up. But they could very well have gone down by the same token. So six of one and half a dozen of the other. I, I, know, if the, I know if that was me and I've been, been sent away from Monaco ha- having only played three games, that I, w- I would feel a little bit hard done by. But I, don't, I, don't, I think the transfer of... of um, as Huddersfield, and to think how much money Huddersfield paid for him as well. They paid 20 million euros for him. This is Huddersfield Town we're talking about. You know, you wouldn't have envisaged when they were in the uh, championship uh, and favourites of relegation that 18 months later they'd be paying 20, uh, they'd be paying um, 20, uh, 20 million euros for um, an international defender. Yeah, it's a very good move for them. Uh, that's Ajax. Now, PSV. They've been very busy as well. Um, Marcel Blanz has left now for Everton, but he still tries to do as much business as he could before he left. Um, and Jordan asks, is the Angelino transfer still on for PSV? And will they also go back in for Denzel Dumfries of Heerenveen? Um, the latest yeah. that I've seen today is that 
Angelino and Dumfries are still trying to force a transfer through to PSV. They both want to be there. Um, except the, the both the, the stumbling block for both these players is a transfer fee that PSV can't quite pay at the moment. Um, they don't want to pay €10 million Euros for Angelino, nor do they want to pay close to €7 million Euros for Dumfries to heal in vain. Um, Sam Lamas, the young striker, has been proposed as a, as a sort of make-weight, although PSV only want to loan him out to heal in vain and not transfer him. So it's a bit of a it's a bit of loggerheads at the moment with the transfer, hasn't it, James? I, f- I think they'll they'll do well to to um, to um, come back from uh, Marcel Brands leaving because he did an absolutely tremendous job. I'm still surprised he went, but that that's another story. But um, they've uh, I think Dumfries would be an excellent buy, and he in particular would show that the traditional route of of starting in a in a lower in a lower team in the division and working your way up uh, is still uh, is still plausible and I think I think the Dumfries move uh, will go through with the Angelino one I'm I'm not quite sure. Um, interesting about Sam Lammers as well because they you know they don't want to let him go, but you could maybe see common ground of him going as a make weight if they don't want to pay the seven million for Dumfries because I really do believe that they want Dumfries. And the physicality of him, and, and uh, the, how much of a good defender he is, you know, if he goes to PSV, he's, um, I think his, his, his career will only improve. And um, be interesting to see how they come back as well, because I don't, they're going to have European football to uh, to contend with, and um, should that all go well, how they'll com- combat on two fronts this season, it'll be very interesting to see. Yeah, um, let's hope they get plenty of good chance for business done. The rumours have started to circulate about their other players as well. Um, Herving Lozano has been a key player for them this season and I think we'll see more and more rumours start to circulate for him towards the end of the World Cup. Um, Gaston Pereiro, he's fairly certain to stay, but you never know. Um, he did score some, in some crucial games this season for PSV. Uh, Joshua Benet has already left for German side Hoffenheim. A very good move for him. I think that's a great, uh, I think that's a great move for him, uh, Mike. I think, I think that's a really... I think he's a very underrated player. I um I think he's been overlooked at international level as well, and I think he'll uh, he will only improve. I've uh, I managed to speak to Justin Holchmer, who plays under um, Nagelsmann at Hoffenheim, and he was telling me about the training methods and how he approaches it. And I think a player like Brunet will 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 pluck the fruits of that um quite uh, quite handsomely. See, I'm not so convinced by Joshua Burnett. I think he's a good player, but perhaps not for um, the top, top of Germany. Uh, I think that PSV was a good level for him and he can play on the European stage. There were games where he was made to look um, he was made to look a bit like a fool against some opponents, but he has bounced back extremely well from the time he had that match in Russia, I believe, um, for PSV. Uh, I believe that was in St. Petersburg. But anyway, um, a good player, but I don't think he's quite the level for international stage I, I think it, I think he'll improve in Germany I think um, I think Nagelsmann will improve him even more and um, I think that's um, I think that's definitely one to watch in the future okay well let's see um, PSV still though they've, they're losing other players this summer Jürgen the goalkeeper he'll be looking for a move but there's no saying that he could stay again um, and Santiago Arias the right back is 99% chance of him leaving Juventus are looking at him uh, Marco van Hinkle was left alone. So there's loads of players leaving PSV and I think we'll 
see some more players coming in. They're already looking at a new centre-back because Nicola Issy-Mat-Maha has been with PSV for a few years now. Um, and Stadhen are looking at him. Uh, they finished fifth last season in Liga. So there's a bit of an exodus going on there, actually. Perhaps more so than Ajax. Yeah, I, I still I still think it's early days. You know, we're, we're only just approaching the middle of June. Um, the um, there's, a, there's a famous quote... Um, by Arsene Wenger that says that 90% of the business happens in the last 10 days and I think that's a very apt point and I think with the managerial appointments from for the majority of the Eredivisie which I'm still shocked came to fruition at such a pace I mean it, that was frenetic I didn't expect them that all those vacancies to be filled in the tempo that they were and I think that uh, that you're now that we're going to start to see more of a transfer um, pick up at, uh, I think towards the end of June, start of July, to be honest. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, and that brings us on to our last Twitter question we received for this week from Connolly, who says, based on current chance of business alone, who are your dark horses for European qualification next season? Now, that's quite a hard one to answer, bearing in mind um, there haven't been that many transfers yet. So there have been plenty of teams that have been active, such as Heliclis yeah. um, and Finals. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, let's look more at potential youth players coming in managers as a whole perhaps who do we think could be you know challenging ajax psv final rz um for those top positions fourth fifth um in terms of fifth i think that's a very difficult question to answer if i can just turn it on its head a little bit i've been very impressed with uh mitchell van der Kaag at uh becoming their manager and I have a sneaky suspicion that they will be in the mix for the European playoffs. I don't think they're going to finish fifth because I think that's a little bit overambitious. But I would not be surprised if uh, Nagpreda um, was to finish in and around the European playoffs next season. I know they, uh, they, fit, they avoided relegation, but they've got some good players. And uh, they've got a manager who's... Uh, who's um, who knows what he's doing and uh, in a very very small budget at Excelsior Rotterdam got them playing some very good football and and they, they know how to win games and you you know yourself having experienced the Nagpreda home game what the uh, what the faithful can be like and I think I think they are my tip to score to 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 make a big surprise next season and I also think as well not so much in the European sense but I know it's still premature and it will have uh, many a podcast before the season starts. But if you ask me, uh, my three managers who I think are going to be the ones to watch out for this season, um, I would say Henk de Jong from the Graafskap, uh, Dick Lukin at Emmen and uh, Mitchell van der Graag at uh, Nagpreda. They are the three that I believe are going to have uh, standout seasons this season in the Eredivisie. Yeah, Mitch van der Haak and Nakbleda, that's going to be um, a very good manager appointment as well, in my opinion. Uh, and yeah, I know if you are listening and you do, do feel like having a trip to the Netherlands to see some Dutch football, without doubt, do not miss out uh, a Nakbleda home match. A great atmosphere, one of the best in the league, despite the fact they are not one of the best teams in the league. Um, back to the question, I personally think that Utrecht have had a very good summer so far in terms of transfers, um, just from a very early point of view. Uh, Yadis van Overdeem from RZ, a very good midfielder, definitely at Utrecht's level, I think he's going to be great there. Simon Gustafsson, they signed him from final for a million euros, another good signing because he played well last campaign for Dodo Um And they've made some of the smaller transfers as well, they've brought in um, 
a couple of a few young players, and they've also brought in a uh, a German left back, Leon Guvada, um, from Werder Bremen, uh, and there's no no transfer fee for that one. But they've made a few very good early signings, responding very well to the losses of Yasin Ayub, Zakaria Labiad, um, and uh, Adeo Dumic is also left on loan as well, the centre back. So they've got some play, some 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 players to replace, especially the loans that have gone back as well. They are going to have a very good season again. I do really rate their manager as well, John Paul de Jong. He's he's carried on well what Ten Hag started before he left to go to Ajax. I, th- I think you make a good point, but I I think with uh, Joris van Overheim, um, Overheim, uh, Michael, if he was that good, would I, would I said would would they have let him go? You know, so I I, th- I think if he, I think if he was really that good, um, I don't think I said would have let would have let him go. I think. Uh... I, I think I think that's harsh. I, I think that's a harsh opinion. I, I think Van Overheim has been a quite unlucky at RZ. He hasn't been given the formation to suit him. And the position that he wants to play as a, a box-to-box midfielder has been played very well by um, Frederick Mitchell this season for RZ. And he, they've, RZ have put him on the wing. They've put him as a, an attacking midfielder. It's just not quite the position that he likes to play. He's a very much an all-action midfielder. And that, that position is well taken up at RZ. Utrecht is a good level for him to really push on um, at his age. Yeah, well, interesting. You know, it's always nice to have we we differ we differ from opinion from time to time, and uh, that's that's always nice for the pod and for the listeners and everything. So uh, yeah, it'd be uh, be interesting to see what happens. Okay, well, um, James, thank you for your time today and all of the season. You're more than welcome. Uh, I just wanted to give a big thanks to all the listeners for putting up with us and for all their questions and for all their patience and uh, for their likes and their retweets for all of our work. So uh, a big thank you to all, all the listeners and to all my followers in particular. Yeah, well, thanks to all your listeners as well. Yeah, for tuning in to the Football Only podcast this season. Thanks for liking as well. Thanks for giving us all your questions. You know, always keep that coming. We hope to be back really soon with uh, yet more exciting content on our website and our YouTube channel. Bye for now. Yeah, bye for now, everybody.